We are in Helaman chapter 16, and this is the last chapter before 3rd Nephi, so the last one we will do before I begin teaching, hopefully, <laughs> at the high school, 3rd um, Nephi is where we're supposed to begin, and so I still don't know um, with them changing the ruling of schools and how often they are meeting. I don't know that I have a job hoping so I may just be subbing but still this will be awesome to see um what what I begin to learn from the kids in my class again I love what the spirit teaches me but it really is so awesome to hear what the kids teach me and so I'm excited for that opportunity again and so we'll hold off on that until class begins again and we'll just continue with the all is well series that I'm doing which is also just makes me so excited and kind of is possessing me it's all I think about and I get so excited as I think of different people that I can talk to and what they can teach and just feel like it's so strengthening my testimony and helping me focus on the positives that are happening right now and I'm so grateful for that gift that the Lord has given me at this time that focus and so really thankful for that all right so as we start Helaman 16 this is the very last things that we have recorded of what the Lord put in Samuel's heart to testify and so more this is what happens at the end than even him teaching and so we just kind of want to go through this and so the first thing that we hear in verse one is that there are many who when they heard the words that their hearts were pricked and they went and they sought for Nephi it tells us and they came forth and found him and confessed and denied not and desired that they might be baptized and isn't that awesome that their hearts are pricked and they're like you know what I did he's right I've messed up and I haven't stuck with God like I should have and they come and they recovenant and I I think it's really important that it says they denied not and also confessed because those are the steps of baptism. Okay, and in verse 2, it says, But as many as there were who did not believe the words of Samuel were angry, and they cast stones at him on the wall and shot arrows. But the Spirit of the Lord was with him, insomuch they could not hit him. And of course, this is the primary's very, very favorite story, and they love it. And it's like magic that they could not hit him. It's like this force field. The Spirit is this force field force field. And so the interesting thing is in verse three, it tells us that those who, there were some who saw that they could not hit him <laughs> that were then convinced and went to get baptized. So again, we have this question, is that true and lasting conversion when you're depending on a miracle? And it really, um, this is something that I really want to center on that really reminded me of the difference in Laman and Lemuel's conversion and the difference in Nephi and Sam's. And I remember teaching the lesson and having those four names written on the board and going through the first couple chapters of, of the Book of Mormon in First Nephi and just writing every single word, describing word that we could under their names when it talked about them. And so we had words like um, the father was the prophet. We just compared and contrasted contrasted them. And so all four of them had that they had scripture study in their home, that their father was the prophet, that they had been taught words of truth, um, that they had family prayer, that they offered sacrifice. All of those were similarities between the four. And then if you looked at the contrast 
um, it really was that Laman and Lemuel would come back and they'd kneel down and pray and ask forgiveness when there was a miracle, like when they were shocked or when there was an angel involved or when these things. But that is not true in lasting conversion. And that was the whole point of the lesson. Nephi went and prayed for himself. And we don't have that Sam did that, but it does say that Sam believed on his words. And so there has to be an effort made and true and lasting conversion only comes born through a witness of the Holy Ghost to our spirit. That is the only way we have true and lasting conversion. And it's really important to look at that and know what conversion is and that it takes effort and work. It's also you can look at Joseph Smith and all the work he did before he ever went to the Grove of Trees. And um, he came knowing through the spirit, through the piercing of that knowledge of scripture reading to his spirit, that if he asked, God would answer. And that came through, through a lot of thought, a lot of scripture study, a lot of prayer, a lot of researching different churches and going and finding out for himself. And that witness of that truth, Joseph never denied. And so that is where our testimony has to center on. We have to get it for ourselves through a witness born of the Spirit. And so I love this um, example that <laughs> some did convert because they saw they couldn't hit him. They tried to kill him and couldn't, so now they want to get baptized. And of course, that's not going to last. That's not true and lasting conversion. Okay, and then I love in verse 4, it tells us that Nephi's still alive. And this is what Nephi is doing all this time, that Samuel the Lamanite is prophesying. I'm sure Nephi is so grateful for the help. And he also has his brother Lehi that we don't hear a lot about, except it tells us that he was not any whit behind his brother in righteousness. So he knows we know he's probably doing the same things. But it tells us in verse 4 what Nephi is busy doing. And it says, first, baptizing... Okay, so he's baptizing. They're finding him and he's baptizing. Second, he's prophesying. So he also is prophesying what is to come. Third, he's preaching. Okay, so he's using the scriptures, telling them the things that, that bearing witness of things we know are true. Four, he's crying repentance, telling them they have got to repent. Okay, five, showing signs and wonders, right? We saw this. He's declaring that the star will come in the sky. It will be light. He's showing them all of that, telling them all that's going to come. And six, he is working miracles among the people that they might know Christ might shortly come. And so that is a lot of work for a prophet of God and just tells you he did not rest. He is truly about God's work and he is truly exemplifying the Savior. And I love that. Okay, so it tells us that um, the more part of the people did not believe and what did they do? Um... In verse 6, the more part did not believe when they saw they could not hit him with their stones and arrows. They cried out, take this fellow and bind him. He hath a devil. And this is very much what the people did um, when they could not kill Abinadi. They cried out, right, Noah and the wicked priest, he has a devil. Let's, they privily or privately came up with a way to kill him. They did the same thing with Jesus Christ. If we cannot explain it away and there are people that are believing then we're just going to pact with Satan. We're going to attribute it to Satan. And we're going to make sure this guy is no more, that he dies. And the interesting thing is, in this case, Samuel flees. He's allowed to flee, and it tells us he goes and prophesies to his own people. So obviously, 
Um, his death is not needed. He does not have to seal his testimony with his blood where we have martyrs who seal and it is justification for um, the consequences that come to those who try to kill them. At this point in time, that is not required. And so he flees and he goes to his own people and we don't hear any more about him. And the question that I had here is, was he there to see Christ when Christ came? We don't know. Was he one of the 12 disciples? We don't know. And wouldn't that be interesting? Isn't there a part two of Samuel's life that you want to know? And those are all details that we will find out later in life. And um, that get me really excited. Like, what happened to Samuel the Lamanite? And so I love that. Okay. And so then it says, um, we want to jump to 10. There, more part of the people remained in their pride and wickedness and walked more circumspectly before God. The lesser part walked more circumspectly before God. Okay. Um, more hardened in verse 12. More iniquity. Um, 13, and it came to pass in the 19th year of the reign of the judges, and this is two years before Christ, great signs and wonders began to be fulfilled. How cool is that? They began to see, and then it tells us in 14, angels did appear. Scriptures began to be fulfilled. All of these prophecies began to be fulfilled. And then 15, nevertheless, the people began to harden their hearts, save it were the most believing of them. So really you have to be of Nephites and Lamanites. So Samuel really was needed because it started to happen among the Lamanites. And so really we have to, if this is to mirror our day and Christ's second coming, we have to stay so valiant. We have to stay so centered because it came down to so few. And it tells us in that verse 15 at the end, and they began to depend on their own strength and their own wisdom. And all of a sudden, as I read that this morning, I thought, oh my goodness, that is happening today. We, none of us really knows truth. We're all trying to decipher through our own brain what of all the things people are saying is true. And really, we we are looking at the arm of flesh. And it just was almost comical as I read this because I thought, holy cow, it it, it is this battle of people that I love, that it isn't good and bad. I don't know what's truth. I don't know where to look for answers. I don't know if we're going to have a cure and what's going to happen. And so it was just really interesting because I really thought, man, we have turned to the arm of the flesh and our own wisdom. And it's because the prophet isn't saying to us, you know, what the answer is. And he's just telling us that he has prepared us to have this pipeline for personal revelation with God. And that's so important. And so really, it's those small and simple things and making sure we're doing come follow me and scripture reading and prayer in our home. And then trusting because God tries us in our patience and our faith. If we were will endure and and be firm and valiant and unmoved in doing those things. And then just keep our eye on the prophet because I, I know when it's time, he will tell us. If it is life and death, he will tell us. Other than that, we have really got to make sure that our lifeline with God stays centered on him and on the prophet and not depend on the arm of flesh and, and our own wisdom. So that was really interesting that it said that. I think that's so important and I we really see that. It seems so appropriate 
and applicable for right now. Okay, 16, and I love this. Some things they may have guessed right. And I love that it says guessed because it totally discounts the prophecies of the prophets and the things that they have been saying. And I really believe that's happening now. It really is so interesting how that is so applicable. But behold, we know that all these great and marvelous works cannot come to pass of which they have spoken. There's no way. It's all made made up. That's what they're saying. And then they say in 18, if so, why would he not appear here? Why is it some far off land where they can tell us it happened and they've made up these signs and wonders and they can say, this is it. And we depend on them and we are ignorant and we are forced to just follow them. And it says become their servants. And what is the whole motive of all of that that is being said? Fear. And that is exactly what is happening right now. That is the biggest voice and the biggest sense that we feel is this fear. It is such a tool of Satan. And so it's just so interesting. Like um, we all are wondering who's in charge, who's calling the shots. And on the one side, they're saying it's secret combinations and all made up. And on the other side, it's just everyone's going to die. And all of that is fear-based. And truly, in order to have peace, um, I am just finding how important it is that we do these small and simple things and just say so in tuned, attuned, excuse me, to Christ and his voice and wait upon the prophet and the apostles to give us more information, but steadily do those small and simple things so that we remain those, those few that will stay with him. Um, I was just reading about the battle of Gideon and when the Lord says you have too many soldiers and the first thing, this so hit me, the first thing he did is he said, ask who is afraid. And that made me so emotional. And 22,000 soldiers left. They were honest, and that's huge, but they left. And God did not want soldiers who were afraid and who doubted. God wanted soldiers who were totally in line with their trust and their faith in him. And so that was so interesting that 22,000 left. And then he said, okay, now go take them to the river and have them drink. And those who stick their heads down to the water and aren't aware of what's going on, dismiss them. Those who cup the water and lap it like an animal, like a dog, it says, keep them. And it's 300 is all he is left with to fight this, this battle. And, and it says against a host that was innumerable. And the thing I love about that is because God tells him those this is not the scripture, those that be with us are more than those that be with them. But basically, that's what he says. There are so many with you, and I want you all to know it is me and my angels that will win this battle that have backed you and that it is a miracle and it is all due to my power. I want you never to doubt who this is credited to. And I love that story. And it's so interesting that it would be right now that I am studying. That's where I would be in the Old Testament that so coincides with this. And so I love that. And I so want to be one of those, right? We all want to be one of those 300 that have our faith so paired with the Lord that we do not doubt, that we are not fearful. We have not trusted the arm of flesh. We trust our God, and we know that we can do all things with him. Okay, and then it says Satan stirs them up, heat rumors and contentions, and that is 
so interesting because that is the language of the day is rumor and contentions and it hardens hearts. That's what happens. It hardens hearts. And then it tells us in 23, and notwithstanding the miracles and the signs which were wrought among the people of God, Satan did have great hold on the hearts of the people of all the face of the land. And I thought what really hit me is there were wonders. There were miracles. They just didn't see them or pay attention to them. And it just so, again, aligned with that thought that I had to do this podcast in All Is Well. And how have we seen the hand of God in our life? Just everyday people. How has your life changed since COVID hit? Have you seen miracles and how? And it has so buoyed up my faith and reminded me where my focus needs to be on the tree and that I know the God in whom I have trusted. I know how he has magnified magnified me and helped me in my life, but also manifested himself in my life. And I'm so grateful for that knowledge. So I hope that you would all share today some way that you have seen the hand of God in your life this past week. I hope you know the church is true. And more than that, I hope you know how much our Savior loves you.